Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome to Star Yet Alignment, your source for cosmic strategy and divine timing. I'm Alula Rose here with the beautiful Stephanie Catalano. Hello, hello. <laughs> and we're looking forward to diving into the Leo. Hello, timing. beautiful beings. I'm so sorry. sorry for All right. <laughs> I don't know why it does that every time. This is like the third episode. If anybody in the audience knows that, stop. Me. I'm so sorry. It's not you. It's um. It's just like that YouTube Zoom loop glitch. But yeah. Okay, we're here. Love, we're here. Love, yeah, the cacophony of feedback. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we were gonna just chat about it, what's been going on astrologically with us. Just little check-ins, um, relevant transits. So for me, this Mars stationing direct has been really interesting because it's been right on my IC, which um, for those of you who haven't learned this yet, it's the point in your chart that it essentially notates the bottom of your chart. Um, it's very much a concentrated point of themes of home, family, ancestry. For me, it's been quite literally my physical home. Um, yeah, I had a pretty epic leak happen with my plumbing. So there's a whole literal gaping hole in my ceiling. Um, but I'm grateful because it's like through the destruction, it's not only getting fixed, but it's going to be better than before. So um, yeah, quite funny cosmic jokes. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, since Mars has turned direct as like a point of focus, um, Mars was retrograde in my eighth house of fear, other people's resources, taxes, debt, inheritance. And there's definitely been a lot of focus in that area of my life. Um, this morning, um, today, the moon is in Gemini as we record this. And I spent the whole morning basically working through all my finances and preparing to do my taxes better than ever before. And uh, the, the Mars is in my eighth house of taxes. So I just feel like there's been a lot of stagnation in that area of my life of even just like I've, I've been really blessed where people have been really generous with me and I've had a lot of access to other people's resources. Um, and not that that's coming to a stop, but it's like uh, pay it forward time. So I feel like a lot of things that are happening in my life right now are to give back to the generosity or even just like, even if it's not money, it's like, intellectual thoughts that have been shared with me coaching or you know feedback advice um that kind of like other people's opinions um value proposition i'm beginning now to apply uh as i open my studio and get more rooted in the podcast with you and other offerings that are happening so yeah that's that's how i would say i see it coming out in my life. Um, I'd love to know in the comments on YouTube, if you're watching us live or if you're catching the replay, um, how have you noticed uh, Mars retrograde in your life and what, what house is it in and what themes do you notice are coming alive as a result of the direct motion? Woo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, I guess we can dive into this chart. Um, you have it all set up on that side, my love. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So we're going to jump into the, um, Leo full moon 
and go through all the transits from the Leo full moon all the way to the Pisces new moon and kind of stop at the sun moving in Pisces in about two weeks. Um, but to start, let me see if I can adjust. I can see you and I while we chat here on the recording. So, okay. It won't show me. Oh, now it will. Okay. Yay. Oh, that's nice. Okay. <laughs> I think so, it's just like us is like really tiny though. Can you see us large on your side? I see us twice on my side, but it's because you're sharing your screen. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully this is, this is looking good for the consumer. <laughs> yeah, but um, real quick, just before the full moon itself. Um, so Saturday, February 4th at 10 8 PM, we have Venus at 11 degrees of Pisces squaring Mars at 11 degrees of Gemini, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it being a mutable square, Pisces and Gemini, both being mutable signs. And they're also the only signs um, in the Zodiac, both of them being depictions of duality. So I'll be really intrigued to see how this plays out <laughs> collectively and in my own life. Uh, but it kind of feels like, it's funny in the mutability, I feel like sometimes there's an avoidance of decision-making, but the square is kind of like uh, things be like maybe new information being presented um, when it comes to personal relations and how we express ourselves, but also like Pisces is just so receptive. It's like, how can we put the receptivity of, of value and appreciation I think, ultimately in Pisces um, of Venus there? How can we put that into action with our, I think with our, with our words, with Mars and Gemini? Those are my initial thoughts, but yeah. Yeah, Venus square Mars is a pretty um, monumental time of year. It happens pretty regularly, but we can feel it in our relations. Um, Mars squares are ruled by Mars. So squares encourage us to take action. And um, with Venus squaring Mars, it's like we need to make decisions around our relationships. And I think you were talking about that indecision because of the mutability of Venus versus this um, square over to Mars and Gemini. Um, so they're both mutable signs. And um, I don't know, I think at a certain point, the, the indecision becomes like really clear. So I feel like whatever you might have been indecisive on or feeling like on the fence about or not sure about, after these two square off, really at the full moon and beyond, I think some of those decisions are more finalized and we're like moving forward and getting ready for the next phase. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I would interpret it. Cause like, I feel like in my personal life, there's been some things that I wouldn't say I'm like indecisive about, but not just like, I don't feel um, firm because that like mutability is really changeable. Um, but the square really helps us think about like what we value versus like what feels like we can actually do what's practical. So I feel like um, there's like a balancing of those two things of, you know, what, what people need 
um, what's best like financially. I know for me, like I've adjusted my pricing on a lot of my offerings in a lot of different ways over the last couple of weeks. Um, but this square is really helping us to like solidify ways of relating that can be really meaningful. Mm. Yeah. I love what you said too about there not necessarily being a firmness with the, the mutable energy and like there's no earth um, in this square either. It's, it's water and air. It's very like free flowing. So I think part of it too, I think Venus and Pisces as well, kind of, um, and I don't know why I just feel called to give her a little bit more precedence because she's exalted in Pisces. Um, it feels like there's like a, a deep opportunity for trust that the firmness will come through our ability to decide. And like, you know, the, we have lived in a benevolent universe. It'll provide once we choose what we want to see manifest. Yeah. And, and Venus is in her sign of exaltation, um, ruled by Jupiter, who is in Aries, ruled by Mars, um, who is in Gemini, ruled by Mercury, who is in Capricorn, ruled by Saturn, that is in Aquarius. And the sun is in Aquarius. So needless to say that whatever decisions that we're making, um, I especially think since Mars is in Gemini, you know, ruled by Mercury in Capricorn, it's like long-term business decisions that are also like feminine in their nature, like considering the impact that it has on the feminine, on women, on vulnerable groups of people, on uh, even our own vulnerabilities and how we can maybe transform our beliefs in our mind uh, to create more avenues for abundance uh, just through taking action. Like what I was talking about with like reducing my pricing, I've personally come to realize um, that I would rather what I do be as accessible as possible so that more people, especially vulnerable people who need, really need the work can access it. And then the more people that are aware of the work, the more people the business can attract. And Capricorn is essentially like the sign of business. And I think in today's world where we're all really sold this paradigm where, you know, we're, we, we value what we do, we'll charge a lot. Um, and if people want it, they will find a way to pay for it. Um, but I think that with what's going on with the recession and also just like computer technology, AI, and, you know, really talking about like how humans can relate um, off the internet, on the internet, and like what, where value lies. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that because I know that for me, that's been really big. It's just like, how do we relate to money? And not to say that if you are a consultant and you want to charge a lot, you're not worth that. Um, but also just thinking about like how we can support each other in today's society as things are and not jump too far ahead in this futuristic, you know, world where people have like a ton of money and a ton of resources. Cause a lot of people really don't. Yeah, thank you for tracing the steps back to Saturn too, because I think it's, there is a sense of responsibility and maturity with like, yes, I'm worth this, but what is the most elder, uh, the, the like what approach would the elder take in, in the community? Yeah, like how, how would a grandmother and grandfather perceive the way of handling in the, in the olden days, like a lot of children grandchildren, you know, like the, the lineage, how do we take care of the community? 
and not just uh, the favored ones. Right. Right. Not the ones that have like a favorable fate because there are a lot of people born in circumstances that are, you know, not as privileged and it's important to support those that are marginalized. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, abundance flows in a lot of different ways, especially when we just take action and we make things available to others. All roads point to Saturn friends. Yeah. <laughs> Accountability. It's beautiful. Um, that's, I think a beautiful segue into the full moon chart itself, which we have pulled up, uh, just with that extra emphasis on Saturn being prominent. Yeah, but the moon itself is in Leo. We have a beautiful fire moon to uh, kind of break us, break us up in the the crux of winter, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So Leo to me is very much, you know, it's the lion. I think the first word that I think for a lot of people comes to mind is lion is like maybe pride or courage. Uh, but those, those energies are channeled best when it's through like big heartedness and wanting to share that frequency with others. Like Leo kind of leads the pack in terms of this, again, this is my take, but Leo leads the pack in terms of showing people how to embody that pride and that kind of regality of like a big jungle cat. <laughs> yeah. I'm letting you finish your thought. I and think that was it for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so Leo full moon, we are embodying the regalness of our nature, wherever Leo is in our chart um, to the fullest as um, we had the Leo new moon six months ago. So you can think about where were you six months ago? What were you aiming for? What were you struggling with? What seeds were you planting? And how has that really come to grow in the last six months? And some of the reflections that we'll say in terms of like uh, the aspects of this full moon will speak on the flavor to which you've grown and, and where you might still need to grow because wherever the, the aspects are in the chart where the planets are sitting um, is an opportunity essentially. So it's something that we can leverage, something that we've already had a chance to kind of reflect on, but we're still in the practice of mastering. So, um, yeah, yeah, I would check out where you have Leo and you try to figure if any planets in Leo, um, if there are any planets within three degrees of 16, um, and those will be, you know, heavily influenced by this, um, full moon. Um, I was going to pull up here the, um, the tarot wheels. We can look at the, the correlation of that. Okay, cool. cool. Um, yeah, I can find it really quick perfect i believe it's six of wands second decan of leo can we get you bigger thank you darling oh thank you so let's see here so people have a visual you can see my screen right mm -hmm. okay great yeah so six yeah. of wands it's yeah so it's between 10 and 10 and 20 degrees um gives us the six of wands as the Deccan ruler Jupiter is the Deccan ruler as well so um yeah I I can pull up my deck to see what kind of feedback we have on the six of wands but Alula I'm sure you have something prepared 
I have my Sufi tarot again. I think, especially with Leo thinking of the heart space. Um, you know how much I love this deck. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and share. I'd love to hear it. Find her. Yeah. So yeah. six of wands. Here we go. Uh, this says the six of wands brings with it the fiery spirit of victory and in the true spirit of fire, which can both singe and give light. Triumph brings with it its own dichotomies. As the woman in our card returns victorious on horseback, the cheering and applause is almost audible. Almost audible. Interesting. She has done more than uh, live up to everyone's expectations. And she has done so honorably. This is a card about embracing one's talents, ability, and worth, and about not being afraid to let one's light shine or having to make oneself small to fit in. Yet the question is, how does she, oh, how does so much public adulation affect her inner state? Is she able to take it in stride and continue on to more success, or does she get caught up in her wins and start resting on her laurels? When this card appears for you, you're being led to the dual nature of fire, asked to embrace your dynamism unapologetically while receiving a warning not to be blinded by the shine of your medals. It is a tricky balance for victory and success can lead to egotism and an inflated sense of self-importance. However, as the Sufis say, any inflated image you have of yourself is totally wrong. You are greater than you could ever imagine. How do you reconcile the two in your being? That's, I think, the perfect message for any Leo full moon. <laughs> Like be proud, but don't get stuck. Like we're always evolving. There's always more to uncover. And um, with, especially with Saturn and Aquarius, like there's always something to be humbled by. So celebrate, but yeah, <laughs> don't go crazy. It's kind of interesting. So by me um, at my job last night, I was bartending and the Eagles game was on. And I, for those of you that don't know, I live in Pennsylvania, so it's a big deal. They won, they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm not into sports, but sports. And, um, but it was just interesting. It's like the perfect example. Like, yes, we have this victory. We're now going to the Super Bowl, but they still have to stay humble and take the next two weeks to prepare. Otherwise that greater success of actually potentially winning the Super Bowl is lost. So yeah, that's fitting. Yeah, I really love the the whole reading you just gave of that card because it's like, like you were saying, you know, you don't you don't want to overdo it. Um, it really speaks to the Jupiter energy and having like way too much, um, almost like inflated ego or sense of self. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I hope I hope uh, pencil. What is it? I don't even know what team it is. Eagles. Pennsylvania. The Eagles. Oh, I hope they win the Super Bowl, but they're gonna have to show up, like you said, and not not be like act like they already won. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, this is in. Oh, I'm sorry, babe. Okay. This, so yeah, going to theater school, we always joked when like people were excited about the Super Bowl, like whoever was the halftime show, we'd be like, oh, there's a there's a football game at like the Beyonce concert. <laughs> but this year it's it's Rihanna who's performing at the halftime show. It's just interesting. Venus is in Pisces, and she's a Pisces. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, will the sun be in Pisces? Um, by then, let's, no, not yet, but close. Pretty close. Yeah. Crazy. That's cool. Good to know that. I love those kind of synchronicities. 
Um, I pulled um, just the, this deck, um, Everyday Tarot from Biddy Tarot. Um, trying to see. They don't say who the artist is on here, but uh, Running Press of Biddy Tarot. Um, Six of Swords, you are in a state of transition, a physical move, a rite of passage, or a mental shift of some kind. You are leaving behind what is familiar and comfortable to move towards the unknown. This is essential for your growth. Or the reverse is that you are resisting change and seek what is familiar, even though it is not in your best interest. This change may not have been your choice either. Go within and reaffirm, reaffirm to yourself why you need to make this transition. So you just pulled that card? No, I'm just saying I pulled the like the book so that I can read like what this deck has to say about it. Yeah, no, but I mean like you just pulled that card at random right now. No, no, this is that was the read for Six of Swords. Right. This okay. Sorry, I thought it was just another synchronicity that you pulled that, and it happens to be the Deccan of the Sun. My bad. Got it. No, no, no. I wanted to. I wanted to see what that deck said, but it's interesting because that the the reading that you gave didn't really speak as directly about that, and it didn't give any kind of warning like the deck that you just read off. So it's so interesting to hear the different interpretations. Well, you read Six of Swords. I read Wands. Oh, but that's what I'm that's saying. I'm kidding, because the sun is the six of swords in this chart. The sun is at the second decan of Aquarius. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's why I was like, did you just pull that card? It's amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. That's awesome. We have the contrast of what the luminaries are calibrating for us. Yeah, because I'm like, this reading is like not the same. Let me see what it says for six of wands. So six of wands, you are feeling confident, self-assured and successful, similar to your deck. Um, you are proud of your achievements and ready to shout them out on the rooftops. People around you can recognize their success and cheer you on. Reversed. You may be lacking self-confidence, seeking approval and validation from others rather than trusting yourself. Stop comparing yourself to others. It is easy, It is taking away from your personal power and self-belief. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, I guess it's good to have that um, two-sided contrast. Um, but I... I saw the little glyph and I thought I thought it was a sword but it's not it's a wand <laughs> yeah no I I have a few decks where it's like uh, it is. um and then I guess I'm intrigued I've, yeah, I've been waiting for the right moment but the elephant in the room is we have the sun and moon are t-squaring Uranus and Taurus so that's a little wrench in the the system there um so that would be six of pen. No, I'm sorry. Seems right. Yeah, six of pentacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll read from here for that. Sure. Um, what's the sub ruler of that deck? The moon. moon. So I guess we can look at that T square and like maybe give the moon a little bit more weight in this polarity. Mm hmm. Um, okay, so six of coins where Uranus is. We have um, six of coins is the card of reciprocity. On one level, it alludes to our relationship with financial abundance. And on another equally important level, it refers to time, presence, and support. How much do you give and how much do you receive? Sometimes the scales are tipped unnaturally. Only you know what you need to do to regain a balance healthy for you and those around you. 
a Quranic scripture tells us that when we do give, one hand should not know that the other hand is giving. Do you publicize your charitable works? If so, what does this tell you about your intent? That's really interesting. Like not uh, virtue signaling and just being pure. Again, coming back to the Leo, the heart, again, like just being pure of heart. And that's so beautiful with what you shared at the beginning of this stuff, um, just with Mars stationing in your eighth house too, like recognizing that you're, you've received beautifully. And like you even said, it's time to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting about, um, giving, making sure that when you give your hand doesn't even notice that you've given, cause you're not giving like too much. Yeah. Oh, that's a really, that's a really nice practice to consider. But something I've been working on, um, I have a coach in a program with iRise. Uh, so it's called iRise through the Indigenous Collective. Um, her name is Lindsay Buckley. And um, we are working on basically the iRise education, which helps us to talk about basically white privilege and how to make peace with my privilege as a white woman and to participate in reciprocity work um and one of the things that we've been talking about is that like if you are giving something uh when you give that if like you can also consider like when you're giving that you are able to receive something energetically that like cannot be given in the form of money for example like she's going to school to be a um elementary school art teacher and she's made the choice to go to school and even though she knows that she's really not going to get paid that well, but the, the generation of children that she knows that she's going to support as an educator, like the exchange of that is far more important to her than a multi-million dollar income. Yeah. And right now she's student teaching and uh, she's not getting paid anything, but she said that the experience of going to these schools and teaching to these children has given her so much physical energy that no amount of money could ever produce that for her. So we talk about that when we talk about, you know, reparations and making work accessible to BIPOC or black and indigenous people of color, or even marginalized Europeans, white people. Um, but just being able to recognize that we are, we don't live in an equal society. And um, we do have the power to create balance in the work that we do. And it, it can feel like we might be overgiving when we ourselves don't have that much to give. But if we realize that what we are doing is going to come back to us in ways that are not just in a financial sense. Right. So, yeah, I think it's really helpful to, to feel into in our work in the world and in the way that we move money and the way that we move our own time and energy and resources. Um, it's like, what, if I do this, if I extend my hand and I give this thing, what am I get, getting back in return? So um, basically what's important is just to give to those that you feel are worthy of that love. And that worthiness is, is based on your ability to trust. And that trust is, based on a lot of inner work, because we also have like a lot of layers of why not to trust certain people, especially on the color of their skin or their class. Um, but yeah, it just requires like a lot of personal reflection and um, 
yeah, I guess ability to like gauge that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful thoughts. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, yeah. Just, just realizing too, that like the ability to give is a privilege. Like just the joy that comes from that when you're truly giving because you want to. <laughs> um, and yeah, recognizing that that in itself is a privilege not to be taken lightly. That's the truth as well, is that uh, especially, um, you know, white people in this world have been given a stage where they are less threatened to speak in most communities. And that's a privilege that we have to use and um, to create create stages for BIPOC as well, um, and to work to work on that. So I know this isn't really an episode on solidarity and reciprocity work, um, but I like that we're able to to kind of weave it into this conversation. It's always um, relevant, yeah. Always relevant. Especially just being in the United States, like we have very very specific collective karma here to unravel like how we got here yeah yeah so if anybody in the audience has any connection to this work or has any um ways that they'd like to participate in this podcast or in the work that we do like please reach out because um we think about these things we've we've been educated on these things but we can always talk and learn more and that's the work too is just to open the space and the, and the heart to welcome these kinds of conversations because that's how we heal is to talk about it and um, yeah, to, to do the work. Um, it's so, fitting for, you know, the, the six of wands with the, the full moon placement as well. Just like celebrate, but don't stop. Keep growing, keep learning, keep unlearning. Yeah. Mm hmm yeah, and swords too, like what we what we what we do with our voice, what we do with our words, and how does that support the collective and support ourselves at the same time? Um, I think that there's this like balance of, you know, ego versus all. Um, in the rulership of the six of swords, the ruler is Mercury, whereas the ruler of the six of wands is Jupiter. So it's like, how do we recognize how wise we are? through the, the words that we use and the thoughts that we're saying. Um, the square with the fixed energy is also the moon and Taurus um, to rule the Deccan and the six of pentacles. And then um, the sun in Scorpio to rule the Deccan of the six of cups. Um, sixes, I've heard sixes are ruled by Venus, um, but I think of Mercury when I think of sixes because it's, a, you know, it's three times too so yeah. huh i yeah i always think i don't know six with venus doesn't vibe with me either i think five five that's what i think of yeah yeah um but yeah i think this as a result i think this um this moon is going to be very and even like the sun in the decan of ruled by mercury in the six of swords it's very communicative um, and it's, it's asking us to kind of like move forward on the business things that we've been needing to transform because Mercury is conjunct Pluto under this full moon as well. 
and um, things that we've been afraid of, things that we've been unsure about. Um, and Pluto is also coming to the end of its saga in Capricorn, where it's been for a couple dozen years. Um, so in March, we're going to see Pluto move into Aquarius. So this is one of the last um, lunations that we're going to feel the impact of Pluto in Capricorn. Ooh. I'm going to just look up the dates for how long Pluto has been in Capricorn. Yeah, I think we said it moves into Aquarius March 23rd, which we're, yeah, loosely planning to maybe do a special episode just on that alone. Yeah. It's so, so significant. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I'm kind of feeling into with this moon as well, just with, it's like, yes, there's the square to Uranus, so we're going to get some sort of like shake up. <laughs> <laughs> in a way but it is a like we're in fixed signs so I think um Venus and, and Mars that square is kind of like helping with the mutable energy like tip that scale to turn the wheel it feels like um with everything direct like literally like the the wheel of fortune itself is like <laughs> starting to turn again and things are picking up but uh I guess what I'm trying to say in a, in a convoluted way is like don't rush yourself through the change or the growth that, that you want to come. Like this is the, I think kind of a, a deeper stirring of glimmering into the next level of that growth. So like give yourself grace that whatever arises with this full moon, you then have time to implement and let land. Yeah, this is a fixed full moon. It's not cardinal nor mutable. It is fixed. So it's not, it's not changeable. <laughs> so whatever, whatever it is that you're anticipating is going to like massively change in your life. It, it is. And you're preparing for that. And you're, you're like laying the foundations, especially intellectually and um, socially, um, or even just like in your space. I know in my life, like the space is literally like opening up and clearing to provide the change that's coming. Um, so yeah, I love that you said that because there's so much change happening in March and we keep talking about that and um, just, just everything that's going to be coming through March and April and how uh, undeniably easy and natural it's going to be to, to feel a major shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think honoring the fixed and like it's, it's asking us to just sit with it before Pisces we like deepen the feeling of it and then yeah march with Aries it's like go time baby <laughs> yeah like a whole new way of approaching life yeah. um so Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008 um which was the last time we had the worst financial crisis in America love that so we are coming to the end of Pluto and Capricorn on March 23rd, 2023. And um, yeah, I think that's a lot of the list. That's weird. We okay? You good? Oh, I just muted because I had to like, yeah, pick up. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay, great. I don't know. It sounded like somebody entered the room, but it's just you and me. Um, ghost. The ghost of Pluto. Um, <laughs> lots of ghosts, lots of ghosts. Yeah. So I was just going to say that, um, I think a lot of lessons that we've been learning with Pluto and Capricorn is going to really like come to a head 
um, over the next two months, uh, the, you know, the end of actually, it's just a month because we are in February by the time this full moon happens. It's a month and, and third and, you know, three weeks. So almost two months. But the next like two months, it's like the thing wherever you have Pluto in your birth chart, um, there's some major transformation that you're going to have to lean into and, and fears that will pretty much hopefully no longer have so much of a hold on you. Um, and then there's going to be a new chapter of things that you become more of a master with and things that used to scare you, you have to really face and become more strategic about, I think that's kind of Pluto's um, way. It kind of teaches us to learn how to dance with the devil and not be engulfed by it. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Because that dance, that dance is where we become that fire, the fire, you know, we're able to move and be productive and create life from the resistance. It's interesting too. I think we talked about this in the last episode, so I won't go on too much of a tangent, but uh, the Deccan that uh, Saturn is in, in Aquarius is the seven of swords, which is very much a card of like, uh, sometimes that card encapsulates like lies so i think it's also just um dancing with the devil it's like don't lie to ourselves and like settle for something that's not in integrity just because it feels like an easier path or more accessible um that's something i've been sitting with personally just like yeah again everything's going to shift in march so be in it now and uh, dig into your deepest integrity before um getting impatient and especially with Jupiter and Aries, it's like, we're anticipating it. We're like ready to, to go and to expand, but like, just wait for the right moment. Don't jump the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Or there might be something that comes to a completion or something that like you would feel really accomplished if you were to commit yourself to bringing it to a close. Yeah. Um, and be, and allow yourself to like start a new chapter or study like a whole new area of life based on wherever Pluto is about to enter for the next almost 20 years. Right. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Cause like for me, Pluto's in my third house of communication and education and writing. And um, I just think about this course that I'm creating and how it's connected to a lot of writing that I've done in a book I want to publish. And just committing myself to like doing that in the next two months. I know that may be like kind of daunting, but it would feel really good. And I actually am on the back end, like working on that and giving myself like ample time to produce that so that by April um, I can launch my online course and have a lot of resources. Um, that's just like one example. Cause I know it's really tangible to like write a book and it's really literal with Pluto in my third house. Um, but there might be something going on in your marriage or something um, in relation to your health that, you know, you want to have more structure with, or maybe in the way that you pleasure yourself or you, you, you prioritize leisure or groups that you're a part of just depends like where Pluto is in your birth chart and how um, much transformation has been entering that space in, in your life inevitably. Yeah. So where is it in your chart? I'm just curious. Like, yeah, how are you? I was going to share. So it's a yeah. uh, whole sign. It's, it's in Capricorn's my 12th house. So it'll be entering the whole sign first house for me when it moves into Aquarius. Um, 
but it's still behind my ascendant for a bit. So just kind of looking at that liminal space before it's fully over my ascendant. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like while it's still in Capricorn, I'm, I'm really trying to utilize, utilize this time to put old narratives to rest to kind of really clear out the cobwebs of, of my mental space. Um, I feel like this whole transit through Capricorn, I've been doing a lot of really, really deep psychological work and a lot of generational healing. And now it's kind of like just clearing out again, that residue, the last final finishing touches so that it's truly a clean house moving into my first house when the attention is brought more into this realm and my physical body. And yeah, it's going to be, going to be exciting. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate though as a Pluto on your ascendant natally. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, that's exciting because I, I can relate to that Pluto rising energy as I was born with that. Um yeah, I'm excited to see what that brings for you. I think just like a lot of uh embodiment work, which I know is something you've always really loved and been interested in, but it might be something that is uh kind of inevitable as that transit happens. <laughs> it's interesting too, because 2008 when Pluto entered Capricorn um, was when I started taking dance classes again for the first time since I was a child. So that would have been my, my freshman year into my sophomore year of high school, um, which, you know, led me down a whole path of embodiment work as a performer. So it's interesting. It's, I think it's like revisiting those initial things um, that led me into that path. And now like really just integrating it with, with yeah well that's interesting because Capricorn is a sign ruled by Saturn and you're an Aquarius rising so with Saturn on my yeah to, with Saturn on your rising so to do the mental subconscious work of the 12th house you got into the physical body and now as Pluto moves into Aquarius Saturn's going to move into Pisces and Pisces is your second house of how you make your money and um yeah when i say like embodiment work work meaning like how you make your money too you know like what the work you are doing day to day so that's really interesting and for me uh, all this energy is moving from my third to the fourth and then saturn is moving into my fifth so um i feel like my work is shifting from like basic understanding of astrology and life and you know healthcare because that's really important to me and what I like to teach and educate on and it's shifting into like family dynamics and um, child rearing and homeschooling and like how to raise children and be pregnant and be fertile and um, yeah just like create the, a rooted home even like weaving astrology with herbalism and growing plants and so as a 20 year transit, I, I can feel that these, th these are the things that I've, you know, I have my sun, my Saturn and my Mercury all in the fourth house, but with Pluto crossing all of all over all of that, like any fear that I have, that I, I have the place, a place in the world to master and talk about those things. Um, it just, it just feels like it's part of my destiny. So, and then Saturn in my fifth house is like, let's learn how to make this fun, <laughs> you know, and not, not like daunting. Um, so yeah, I think it's fun to, to kind of trace over all of that, but coming back to the full moon, um, let's see. So I just want to note that the moon is in Leo ruled by the sun in Aquarius and Saturn is ruled by 
Oh, sorry. The sun is ruled by Saturn. So like we talked about in the new moon episode for this season, um, Saturn has a huge role in all of this because next month on the new moon in Pisces, Saturn is going to move into Pisces. And um, that's a pretty big deal, which we'll dive into then. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the last lunation that we have Saturn at home. And Saturn is ruling every planet besides Venus and Pisces. But even with Venus and Pisces, Saturn is still the domicile ruler of the entire chart, meaning uh, he has the most um, say and his influence is the most powerful of all in this full moon. So what does that mean? That means that this full moon is, is really asking us to be mature and to make decisions that are gonna impact the long-term and mindfully regard the collective mindfully regard future generations and be inventive, be ingenious, be um, rebellious in a way. So doing things that like maybe you've never done before that you don't really see happening in society, that's where we're filling the gap. Um, so wherever you have Aquarius in your chart, that's a big part of what you are activating under this full moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just it, it's fitting too with like what I shared what's going on with my home it's like they the roof had, or the ceiling had been fixed a year ago before I moved in but it wasn't done fully thoroughly properly hence continued issues so that's that's totally Saturn right there it's like this is our opportunity to wrap it up and do it right and yeah make sure all the <laughs> safety precautions <laughs> Yeah, um, this like the transit of the sun through my fourth house. Um, there's there's been a lot of like protecting of my home life as I build my business right now. So I can relate to that. Like there's been a lot of choices that are made to protect the longevity of my family structure and the things I want to create. Um, so wherever you have this, you know, sat Saturn and Sun Aquarius energy passing through there's like a, there's something that we are having to like protect or put boundaries on in our life, whether that's like our own resources, if it's in your second house or um, our willingness to receive, if it's in your eighth house or putting up safeguards, if it's in your eighth house, like from, you know, taxes or going into too much debt. Um, if it's in your ninth house, it might be, um, in some way like becoming clear about your own philosophy in life that feels very near and dear and like serious to you something that you learn to stand beside and you don't let other people indoctrinate you and their beliefs mm -hmm. so there's just an element of um of personal responsibility wherever you have this energy in your life um, and even we can look at Saturn's Deccan to see where this energy is really leaning. Um, so Saturn in Aquarius and the final Deccan of Aquarius <laughs> is the Seven of Swords. And that is the domicile of Moon um, or the, the Deccan of the Moon. Um, so another Moon signature here, like you were saying, the Moon has a lot of influence under this chart. So what we know to be good for us, we know by our own intuition. Mm. And we know, we know by the feminine, when we, when we feel into it, when we reflect as if we, we, we would want to do, do something, receive something. 
um, or give something to someone the way we'd want to receive it. If you can think of it that way, like whatever you're doing in life, like if it feels good for you to receive that from another business or another person in the way that you are planning to give, then you know that you're on the right track. Do you have any reflections on the seven of swords energy of Saturn? Yeah, I kind of touched on that earlier that, uh, that can be a card of deception and like lies and, uh, subterfuge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think on the shadow side of that, you know, being mindful that we're not deceiving anyone and especially not ourselves, because if we're deceiving ourselves, we're deceiving everyone around us, you know? It doesn't have to be a malintended thing. It's just um, subterfuge meaning like what's hidden. Um, on the positive, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to use positive. On the like another facet of that uh, energetic presence, I think is like also knowing in certain situations, like sometimes we we don't want to have all of our cards out on the table at all times. So I think with the Seven of Swords, there can be kind of an energy of like um poker face in certain situations like not um and maybe that saturn too kind of polishing and refining our response right like kind of holding our cards close until we're ready to reveal our best hand so that we don't just like emote and go with whatever's first um i think saturn here especially in fixed aquarius is asking for um a bit more groundedness and refinement and like withholding not as a means of scarcity just withholding until the fruit is, is ripe. so amazing i love that you've like done so much work in the tarot because it gives you such like a wide perspective on talking about these intricacies in the the, the decans um yeah, it's really insightful. I'm reading um, the Seven of Swords in the Biddy Tarot deck, and it says, upright, you cannot do everything at once. Hmm. You must prioritize what's important to you, even if it means letting others down. And you may need to put yourself first to get what you want. So like saying of like holding your cards is uh, important because like a lot of people want to have access to everything um, but sometimes it's just not appropriate to do that because it's emotionally draining to do that as well. Um, so that's why I was saying like boundaries are going to be really important to, um, basically creating longevity. Um, the reverse side of this or the shadow is you might feel like a fraud and fear is talking, get out of your head and trust that you have what you need to make your new venture a success. Oh, I like that a lot. Thank you, Biddy Tara. <laughs> yeah. It took me some time to like sit with that because that's the decan of my Saturn and my rising. And I guess my moon's right at 20. So uh, all that <laughs> is seven of swords in my own chart. So um, yeah, it took me a while to like sit with that and kind of accept very much what the Biddy Tarot actually was so on the nose for me personally, just um, yeah, being your most authentic self, there's good, people are going to be disappointed if you're not feeding them what they're looking for but by doing so and this is Saturn yes <laughs> by not giving people just what they want you know uh, we we're getting closer to giving people what they need um and empowering them to be their most unapologetic authentic self 
So, yeah. I'm trying to think of how the seven energy relates to like the chakras because there's seven planets, seven days of the week, seven colors of the rainbow, seven chakras. So now we have a seven of swords and Saturn in this final decan. Saturn at home in the final decan ruled by the moon. And um, I think that this also speaks to like the way that we communicate is felt very easily under this full moon. So that's why like give, being authentic, not giving too much. People can tell when you are overcompensating or not really feeling confident because you're scared or you're really just speaking from fear. So um, just knowing like what your limits are and working from there to, to create authentically. You know, um, I know for me, I've had a lot of goals with the things that are happening in my world and with my business. And I've just needed to like really size myself down and be like, what's, what's realistic for me right now. And, and how can I do that so that I'm not, um, making other people happy over my own happiness. So even if you have to like shift things around, um, just honoring yourself above everyone <laughs> is the best way to serve everyone. Yeah. Like don't get in the way of your divine purpose <laughs> with all like the muddled, uh, feelings of obligation, like cut through and it's swords, like cut through it. And importantly, like communicate because a lot of, I've noticed that sometimes people decide that they are going to do something and then they just, they don't really include their community in that experience. And it just, it's, it creates a feeling of resentment because people are expecting something to happen and then it's never provided because it's never communicated. So I think the seven of swords really asks us to be courageous, to just cut through it, say it, be in alignment with all of your chakras, with all of your truth. And so it is. And that's it. And not fear how it's received. Cause like, I know I'm, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I like isolate instead of communicating and I've had some beautiful moments where I choose to communicate and it's received better than I could have hoped for. And it's like, you know, that's how you find out who your people are, who your collaborators are. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to just look into the Carousel astrology for this full moon. And I know that we went over this. We actually went over the the Pisces, the um, the Aquarius energy, because in this system, uh, Carousel astrology, uh, the seventh chakra is connected to Leo and Pisces. So um, this full moon, it, it, according to this train of thought, will activate our crown chakra, and um, this is connected to the circle as a full moon. Interesting. Uh, its color is rainbow or white. Um, the location is like above the crown of the head. Um, its predominant sense is speech, like we've been talking about, like the swords and being able to communicate. Um, the work organ is the spirit. So the associated glands are the pineal gland, the thymus, and the sex organs. The function of the associated glands is the higher immune system function, procreation, and psychic powers. Uh, the uh, sympathetic nerve, nerve plexus is the cerebellum. Uh, the chief subsidiary parts is the cranium, cerebral cortex, and the right eye. Mm. The mantra is OM. 
The vowel sound is M hummed in the key of B. The spiritual therapy, oh, the music therapy is spiritual, noble, inspiring, and silence. Silence, wow, so important. I, I have a lot of energy in Aquarius, including my Saturn, and I thrive off of silence. I demand it in my life. Yes. It feels really good for me. So um, yeah, that's really affirming because I, I find it to be strange in a way that like, I just don't like sound. It has to be educational, if anything, if it's on yes. or inspiring or noble or like giving me some sort of juice. Um, but yeah, like healing yourself through silence is really important through this season. Um, um the ma the mudra is a closed circuit anything that's a closed circuit um the quality of the element is universal not sure what that means but i guess give some context the basic of being is purity of being there are no there are only positive attributes to this chakra there's no negative attribute the desire is extended and perfected consciousness beyond all categories or limitations perceivable, flowing abstractly as the pure and free manifestation of energy and light. The activity is transfiguration. The nature is the sadmati, pana, or the true being. The qualities of design are radio forms and swirling spirals. The result of unsatisfied karma to re be reborn as no longer subject to the turning of the wheel of karma, life and death, rebirth and birth, no bonding with suffering, attaining nirvana when leaving the physical body, infinity. The Hindu deity is the guru within. The Greek deity is Apollo or Helios. Uh, the Roman deity is Sol, Nomius. The Babylonian de deity is Shamash. The Egyptian deity is Ra. The ruling symbol planet is the sun slash Neptune. The astrological sign or symbol of the crown is Leo or Pisces. The day of week is, is Sunday. The gemstones are clear quartz crystal, sulfur, orange cell, cell cal, orange calcite, diamond. Aromatherapy is lotus and flat cedar. Herbs you can work with are almond, angelica, ash tree, bay tree, chamomile, corn, hornwort, bright eye, heart trefoil, juniper, Marigold, mistletoe, mustard, olive, rice, saffron, St. John's wort, St. Peter's wort, sundew, and walnut. The animal characteristics behaves like pure illumination. And the ages connected to this chakra are 7, 56, 14, 63, 21, 70, 28, 77, 35, 84, 42, 91, 49, and 98. Mm. All forms of yoga are practiced at the highest level to, to connect to this chakra. 
Native American Sundance, Vision Quest, Sweat Lodging, or Fasting is helpful to activate the chakra. And the principal nadis or the sen activated are the sumana, itta, or the pingala. So I know that's a lot of information, but really interesting to work with. Um, this is the 52 correlations of the chakras in astrology called Karasat Astrology from the Soma Veda Institute of Integrated Therapies. So, yeah. Helpful to really get, get ourselves into that pure. It's so funny that right before Pisces season, we always get a Leo full moon. And it's like we are, our crown chakra gets activated to handle the upgrade that Pisces season brings. Mm. The full moon coming in. So in good. Leo. So good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. So we were going to go ahead and check out what's happening um, between now and the new moon. So we have about an hour left if we want to keep this around two hours. So, yeah, I know the day after you were really curious, like the two days after the full moon, we've got some pretty big transits happening. Um, yeah, Monday. I mean, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that some of these transits are with um, outer planets like Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. And these are a little bit more subtle than like personal planets, but still interesting to, to connect with. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the crown energy, the outer planets to me, um, it's almost like the crown being the sun, like getting an expanse, I think the outer planets get a little bit uh, stronger. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I'm just feeling that. Uh, so Monday the 6th, the day after the full moon at 1.14 p.m., we have Mercury at 23 degrees Capricorn, sextiling Neptune at 23 degrees Pisces. Uh, so it'll be, I mean, within range, like under the full moon too, so we'll, we'll feel it then, but it, it, it's perfecting uh, Monday. So to me, that's, I mean, that's nice. I think it's, especially uh, after Mercury's retrograde in Capricorn, I think the direct energy, it's like helping us find the Neptune in Pisces being so dreamy and like visionary. Um, I think it's it's kind of like inspiring Mercury to move forward as it's finishing up in Capricorn, um, bringing the, the dreamscape to reality finding ways to communicate that. I mean, it's sextile, it's gentle, it's Venus. So part of that, I think, is like blessing our conversations with um, sharing what we're, what our dreams are. To me, that's the, yeah. the primary influence I'm feeling, but it can go many ways. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because like Neptune transits can be a bit delusional. It's like, one gift of it is that we get to like really access our dreams and our fantasies come alive and we get to have like a glimpse into ways of making that true. So it's a really great day on February 6th or even the full moon to do like a lot of vision questing and writing, um, opening your crown, doing some meditative work and thinking about like, what is your dream? What is your fantasy for life? <laughs> and, um, letting all that flow, but in your communications, like 
Uh, I think that there'll be people because sex cells are ruled by Venus that come in that are curious to know what your dreams are. Your dreams are synchronistically aligning in your conversations. So um, that can be fun. Um, but it's, it's just helpful to kind of like handle that with a bit of a grain of salt and to kind of gauge what happens going forward, because sometimes we can just project like fantasies come to life when I don't know, sometimes there's plot twists that come in and just move things around and teach us how to work with our fantasies again and again. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the resonant Pisces over here being like, magic. <laughs> but I think what I want to say is like, if you love someone, ask them what their dreams are. Yeah. Under this transit, especially. Um, I'm just thinking on Instagram, there was a real sound going around it was I think it's from like an old movie and it's uh a man's voice asking like why do you have to make everything so fanciful all the time and the woman's like because it is <laughs> I feel like that sound clip uh encapsulates this 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 transit well just because uh yeah that's what I love about astrology it's ever-changing so this moment on the cosmic clock we can lean into that fantasy, that dream, just as long as we don't get like overwhelmingly yeah, consumed by it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's a great time to like invite and lean into those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, the next day, Venus is sextiling Uranus perfectly, which is also happening on the full moon. So all these energies are really kind of active and Venus rules sextiles and um, Uranus is in Venus's sign and Venus is in her exaltation. So this is really benefic, I think. Um, there's also like a trine from the moon to Uranus on that day. And Venus is also in a trine um, open like pretty widely, but with the north, with the south node and in a sextile to the north node as well. So there's a lot of positive energy going on here. Um, with relationships, spontaneous things happening, um, innovative ideas that are coming through, especially around money and beauty and art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting too, just in Eastern time, what you and I are looking at here, um, it, it perfects at 12.21 a.m. on Wednesday the 8th. So like it's, it's building all day, but I just think that's interesting, like, 1221, 1221. A little little magic in the timestamp there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that Tuesday is a really fun day to like have a fun business meeting or a late night date or um just doing something where you get to like experience art in like a different way than you normally do, whether that's like through food or through dance or sex or whatever you know you find will bring you pleasure in that moment but with the moon in virgo um cleaning could also be really fun or like any kind of like organizing um but it'll just feel good to maybe do that with a partner or to do something in in devotion to a partner as well beautiful i guess me and my cat are gonna have a snuggly night <laughs> I also thought of like the visual that came to mind too. I was like, oh, I should like polish my jewelry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great energy to do like spell work, like spontaneously in that way. 
it's like very powerful, quick magic, like energy work that you can do. Mm. Okay, so the next two days out, we have Mercury conjunct Pluto on February the 10th at 12, 12 p.m. It, it perfects. Um, yeah, more, more numeric coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've been talking about, oops, sorry. Uh, we've been talking about Mercury conjunct Pluto, but it's going to be building. Yeah, through the full moon. So um, Astro Gold says that Mercury conjunct Pluto, you have a probing mind, you avoid social chit chat, preferring deep and meaningful conversations, you are able to research topics of interest. So um, Pluto is the planet that allows us to like penetrate and go really deep. And so it's, it's also a sign that rules like the darkest places of our minds and of the world and sort of like what's hidden and um, what's what needs to be transformed and brought back to the surface. So with, with Mercury crossing over this place, it's like deep penetrative conversations might easily happen. It's a great time to write about controversial topics or do research on controversial topics um, to kind of explore what, what needs to be changed. Um, if you do any kind of like manifestation or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like mental programming work. This is a really, really, really powerful night to do that. Like a burn ceremony or trying to think of like what you could do with earth that is, is like, cause fire is burning. You know, you could do water, like immerse, submerging something is in water, um, air, I guess you could like shred something and throw it up in the air, but like earth, um, I think just like creating something material, like writing it out on a piece of paper is actually really transformative. But in terms of the process of like destroying it, I guess you could bury it. That's what I was, yeah, I was going to want to interrupt you. I like the visual I got with like Mercury conjunct Pluto for the last time with Pluto in Capricorn as well. It's like the confessional, like, I think it's a good time to confess a deep, dark secret or like get a burden mm-hmm. off your chest. Um, yeah. It's so, like burying it literally like maybe like I don't know graveyard kind of vibe could be cool maybe it's like going to visit an ancestor and like talking to them um yeah yeah but getting getting outside if you can and getting grounded in the earth and having a conversation with the stars or with the sun or just like having that celestial connection to open your heart to see what needs to be transformed can be really powerful on that day. This is a Friday, February 10th. I want to be on a mountain that day. I'm speaking it now. Yeah, it's a great idea. Awesome. Um, I would just say, um, just, just as a far warning, um, Pluto is the ruler of Hades or the ruler of hell and, um, rules like our fears and, um, abuses of power. So I just want to say that in your communications with others, like we need to, we, the only way that we can create change in the world is to be responsible for what we say and how we make others feel, how others make us feel. We, we are not really in control of, um, in, in terms of like, like we are in control of how we react. If you have a feeling 
um, as a result of someone's projection or thing that they're saying to you or attempt to abuse their power, you have the ability to control your reaction. And if your reaction is full of hate and full of wanting to change that person and doing it in a way that is violent as a result of their violence toward you, you inevitably drain yourself and give yourself an energetic hangover and um, become a victim to that situation by your reaction to it. So it's really, really helpful and important to just realize that um, there could be potential for abuses of power, especially on that day, for manipulation of the mind through words or agreements, things like that. So um, yeah, just be sovereign in your choices and in, in taking responsibility for how you, what you say and how you react. And um, if you need space on that day um, to create balance, that might be the best thing. Um, so I just think that's important with um, the many abuses of power that people encounter in the world today and um, how we choose to become victim to it through our own decision-making. And um, yeah, we want to make decisions that ultimately liberate us. And sometimes that means disengaging with an abuser. Yeah. It's interesting too, like the, the sun will have entered that last decan of Aquarius at this point as well. So once again, seven of swords, like you don't need to show all your cards immediately. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you confront an abuser with abusive words, you're just basically in war, in a state of war. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, someone once shared a piece of wisdom with me that I needed at the time uh, a few years ago that like essentially when you engage with, I guess you could say abuser or like any sort of power struggle dynamic, like uh, you don't want to become the antithesis of that which is like attacking you. So you don't want to become the joker to the Batman. You want to, you know, forge your own path and be maintain being the protagonist of your own story rather than letting um yeah any volatility make you someone else's cartoon you know yeah um i was gonna say this can also be abusing the powers that you have and using it against yourself so being like hypercritical or um uh you know, indulging in mental stimulation to the point of like distraction and addiction. It's just like we get we get addicted to the adrenaline rush or we get addicted to the fear <laughs> as a distraction of like peace. Mm -hmm. So um, just remembering the Capricorn energy is that of the divine earth energy divine feminine earth energy, divine yin earth energy. So um, doing yin yoga, meditating, focusing on your crown, focusing on this peace and silence, like these can be incredibly transformative things when, when we're having a Mercury transit over the most obsessive planet yeah. in the sky, because Pluto rules obsession. So yeah, just like noticing what you might become like obsessive about and that you have control of your own mind and just working through the process of forgiveness if you get caught up. 
but I think it's really helpful and important to kind of, this is where astrology and psychology come in and why everybody might be going through like a similar wave of emotion and why looking ahead can be really helpful because we can have compassion for what might come and what is happening and make sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. Trace the archetypes. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to share specifically just yeah, and then we can move on to the next one. I know we have more to cover. Um, the Specifically for this transit, I think the, the addiction meditation that you and I have practiced through Kundalini mm -hmm. Yoga um, is a really powerful one. So I can just quickly share, you gently tuck the fingers, not like making a fist, but gently resting the fingertips on the planetary mounds of the hands. And, oh, thank you, babe. Um, taking the thumbs out, arms up, chest nice lifted and open. And we wanna find the spot on our temples where if you clench your back molars, you feel it pulse. Once you find that spot, uh, ideally for three minutes, but do as long as is comfortable, what, that you can maintain your posture and your breath, gently pulsating the back molars and internally chanting to yourself the mantra, sa, ta, na, ma, my truth is my light just like this. And it said that this meditation, thank you, Hope Pearl Brink of Akashi Yoga Institute for teaching Stevie and I both this incredible meditation among others. Um, it takes the thumb represents our ego in the computer of our body. <laughs> so we're literally taking the ego and like chewing, chewing it, demolishing any addictions or obsessive behaviors that's Pluto. Um, so we can be be clear and free and uh, aligned in our spirit. Yeah. Thank you for oh, sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking at the forest that day. Can't wait. I'm looking at this little like diagram of the planets and Venus rules the thumb. Is that right? Venus? Because is it Mars? It is this, uh, Venus is the, this is the, the mound. mound and yeah. Mars is the thumb. But it's funny how they kind of like work together, Venus and Mars, like addictions come from the sensation and Mars comes from the ability to do. So we just want to like engage what feels good. And that, that can be a bit addictive. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. We have like um, right above the thumb is like small Mars. And then you have like the bigger Mars energy on either side of the palm. Did you see it on there? Yeah, it's here. Yeah, I took a palmistry course and um, yeah, I need to add that to the website. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so it's just interesting. It's like Mars and Venus controlling the, the joint of the thumb. The thumb itself being the ego, it's like, yeah. Whew. Well, I love that you have that hand. It's super helpful because I often reference it when I'm doing mudras and stuff just to see like, if I move this finger here, like, what am I activating? Yeah. <laughs> really interesting. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's see. Um, so the next going day, forward. Saturday, the 11th of February. Um, I have at 6.22 AM, we have Mercury then after conjuncting Pluto, it then enters Aquarius. 6.22 a.m. on Saturday, the 11th. So yeah, that's our first, um, I guess, ingress after this 
lunation. So we get, it's, it's actually really nice. We get that like deep cleanse from Pluto and then we're into Aquarius. We're in back in the element of air. Um, Mercury and Aquarius to me, I mean, you have that natally, right? Yeah. Right, Seth? Yep. I yeah. do. Oh, you can definitely speak to that. To me, I mean, Mercury and Aquarius is just like genius innovation. Um, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you take it though. <laughs> That's your sign. Yeah, I mean, um, Mercury and Aquarius is one, like when, you are, when if we're thinking not only as a singular person, but as a collective transit, it's when we are thinking about how, who we are really does impact the world and what we say has a ripple effect forever. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, it, you know, it, it impacts today and across the world. It's like, it, it literally impacts the trajectory of history, what we do with our mind, what we do with what we write, what we do with what we say, all of that um, influences everyone around us. So I think that this transit really helps us to know that. And wherever you have Aquarius in your chart, it's like, that is the place where um, your thoughts are going to be a little bit more centered around making a, a bigger impact than maybe you normally would. So like if you have Mercury in the 12th house, like your way of changing the world might be actually just through more silence or through withdrawal and meditation and using your mind to focus and to clear away addictive thoughts, to clear away fears, to clear away um, temptations of your enemies just through your mental process like that changes the trajectory of your projection and therefore your experience and the experience of other people around you um but if you have like mercury in the second house of what you value like sharing more um altruistic or um philanthropic ideas to you know pay it forward to other people like just getting more involved in your community in that way or in the work that you do uh, makes a huge impact so i think that wherever you have mercury in your birth chart that's where you're going to feel the inspiration to maybe organize yourself in a way that's bigger than just you i know that my mercury is in the fourth house so there's a lot of there's things i can think about now that i can do better in relation to my home and my family that require a little bit of mental thought and organization that uh, I kind of need the push for. So the season will help me to reprioritize uh, or be able to use my mental process to prioritize my family or the future of my family um, with Mercury as an ally. So yeah, I think ingenious ideas come in as well. So anything that's innovative, like problems you've been needing to solve, anything that requires technology, we're going to see a huge uptake of adoption of like chat GDP or any other kind of like um, system like that. Or there might be also a lot of um, rejection toward that kind of technology and chat sticking GDP. to our... Oh, so chat GDP is um, a software that is a learning software so um it has used information to basically provide an answer to any question that you give it um at, like almost like google but it will basically write an essay for you so like you can write newsletters with this you if you're a child and you're in school or if you're a college student like you can take any assignment and put it into chat gdp and have it write an essay for you which is going to change our youth 
extremely um, in people's ability to be disciplined. I'm sure that um, teachers and even people reading content can can tell when something is like super long winded and like super researched on a pretty regular basis that this is probably chat GDP um, or any other kind of like software like this. But essentially what's happening is that all the information of the web is being conduced and organized through these kinds of AI technologies that um, replace a person's poetic way of formulating thought and just replaces it with uh, a standardized way of speaking created by this software. So yeah, like it's good because it allows for information and research to get synthesized and shared with speed. Um, but it's bad because you don't know who's actually an expert in their field and who's just using a robot to speak for them. Oh man. Yeah. I think but, another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Maybe ahead, the good side of that is just like in the education system, it might help swing the pendulum to embrace different types of intelligence because our school system is so like, you know, uh, literal, literary. Literal, yeah, like by rote, book smart. So that's a, a positive I'll try to exalt and lead into. But yeah, there's definitely the shadow side of like the, hyper-technological energy. Yeah, I think that it's something that, as you know, especially with this transit and Saturn coming out of Aquarius and finishing its work, this is, this is the gift and the curse of technology which Aquarius provides. Right. You know, so I think that um, just like TikTok, two years ago when people were like, oh, this isn't gonna be a big deal. Now Instagram is TikTok, YouTube is TikTok, Facebook stories is TikTok, everything is TikTok. Even if I don't use TikTok, but we have to produce content just like that model. So chat GDP is going to become the new model, which essentially is asking people to do more research and to keep up with the need for uh, intellectual thought but I, I I'm concerned because what it does is that like if you ask Google to provide you with like what is astrology it's going to give you hundreds of resources to read what is astrology but chat GDP is going to tell you what astrology is yeah which, which deduces everything down to like one robot's definition of something which can really fuck up the trajectory of what we refer to as history in fact and especially yeah, I mean, when the government tries to control everything and call to let us, you know, educate us on what health is and how to take care of ourselves when it's all misinformation. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. Wow. Um, Have you never heard of Chat GDP? No, no. You know, I live under a rock a lot of the times, which I enjoy, but uh, yeah, it's good to find balance. Um, wow. That's yeah, really, it's just, sorry, I'm just sitting with it, especially like where uh, we need to be mindful of like what you're saying. It's going to give you one answer of what astrology is, whereas like at least Google gives you options to explore. Um, we need to be mindful of astrology and like other ancient arts that are very much a verbal tradition. 
you know, originally um, being mindful of like keeping those intact and keeping a sense of integrity through the innovation. Um, yeah. yeah, what's really scary to think about is that people are going to now write blogs and articles and books based on chat GDP and every, you know, it could come, it'll come to a point where every search result is this information coming from these robots. Because what we do is we cite each other, like this person said this, so I believe this is true because I agree with their logic. And now if everyone is citing the same logic, that becomes the belief of society. And instead of like referencing books, I mean, I guess the chat GDP could reference books and do, you know, it's not just like pulling, it's not like losing the initial reference, but I've read like some people have openly said like, this is chat GDP, like, like this is basically sponsored by chat GDP. Like here's a whole article. And I haven't really read anything that's like, like I read an article this morning from a person I absolutely adore, but she said like, oh, by the way, like this whole thing's about chat. This whole thing was written by chat GDP. Thank God she was transparent. Cause as soon as she was, I really like changed in my perception of the newsletter, but the newsletter was about how psilocybin like improves things in your life, but there was no reference to any scientific research in relation to that. So chat GDP is just stating facts with no reference of that truth. Which so, I just want to say like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's okay to tap into truth without having facts, but I just want to implore those of us that are here as like consciousness warriors to like, we do that by going within and meditating and we pull things from the cosmic archives from a place of personal knowingness uh that's a different type of innovation than yeah having a software generate that for you as well so i just wanted to get that out yeah i think what that software was pulling because like there's not a lot of research on psilocybin and if it was making reference to proof, it would probably reference that proof. But what it's probably pulling on is a lot of people's written descriptions of how psilocybin has supported them. But right. I don't know, I just, I just find that to be really just like scary and dangerous because like, as much as I do believe that psilocybin is supportive, like a robot is telling me that this is true without any reference to why. And that could be used in a, many many different ways to to manipulate us so right and if we want information that's like uh more general in that way and less scientific again it's like meditate and you'll find it you don't need a robot to do that <sighs> yeah okay. so we're gonna see a lot of innovation in relation to technology and um yeah, that'll definitely be, that's a, that's a big gift of the season. I think um, it's cool too, again, like just coming off the conjunction to Pluto, we get this like sweep of Mercury through Aquarius, kind of like, I feel like Mercury is almost um, like, uh, what's the visual I'm trying to find? Like, uh, just like preparing for Pluto's arrival. It's like clearing out some of the more surface level data so Pluto can come in like on a deeper frequency with like <laughs> a sense of permanence. Yeah, and hopefully not like destroy humanity.
I mean, the only thing that can destroy humanity, in my opinion, is humanity itself. So, um, yeah, we'll just see how like, how we do, collective Earth team. Yeah, I feel like the destruction of human, like the the downfall of humanity with Pluto and Aquarius, is just like related to like greed. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, fall of Atlantis uh, makes me feel into. Pluto of Aquarius energy, just like even the most seemingly utopian society can fall at the hands of greed, Um, which is interesting, you know, what we read with the the six of swords and the six of wands, polarity for the full moon as well, bigger themes. Okay, um, next transit, you good? Huge transit. (laughs) (laughs) You Aquarian women, like, it's very Saturnian. (laughs) Zonian, just like, yeah. Okay. Um, It's the same day, uh, Saturday the 11th, we have at 12.09 p.m., so not even six hours later, we have Mars perfecting in its sextile to Chiron. which, you know, Chiron's and Aries ruled by Mars. So we have another interesting pattern happening there. Um, but that's nice. We get, that's the third sextile, I suppose, because of the retrograde. So we had mm. our sextile Chiron that would have been last spring, early summer, probably. Or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Like late summer. Let me, let me see if I can find that date real quick. But we, yeah, we got it once while it was direct and then we had it once retrograde and now it's the third and final time of that uh, that aspect. So it would be helpful to see those dates that we had it before because again, this being like the final act of that trilogy. So... Thanks for bearing with me. Direct, we would have had Mars sextile Chiron um, around the 17th, 18th of September. And then retrograde, we got it again. Oh, Chiron was retrograde too. So that second one we got um, December 19th. So not that long ago. So yeah, September 17th, 18th, and then December 19th, just like looking back in your journal or just your your mind to see what was going on those days, we'll get a third kind of final resolution of this energy. Um, Oh my God, it's so helpful. So helpful. Because honestly, like those, those two moments, like I honestly had a very, very tender nature around like what I'm doing and needing to like heal inner thoughts or like inability to act with like the idea that the relationships that come from my actions are worth the action, even if it's scary. Mm. 
because it's a sextile, right? So it's ruled by Venus and gives gives the reward of Venusian things like money and the the beautiful experience of creating art and relationships. So even though it's like uncomfortable and you might be going at war with yourself and being really um, obsessive over something, especially in Gemini, like obsessing over the details. Uh, or obsessing that things aren't happening fast enough or just like knowing that it's going to take a long time um, with Chiron and Aries, like Chiron and Aries, I think is teaching us that like things do not happen as quickly as we would like. And we have to use that as a strength versus a weakness. It's the gift of time. Yeah. The gift of a beginning. Yeah. Not judging a beginning as an ending because it is not. <laughs> thank you for that yeah um <laughs> i wow it's funny just stuff i just had a moment of like literally forgetting we were live and like beeping at you just dropping more into my human was really nice <laughs> thank you chiron and aries um it's interesting as well like for me i think a big part of this this transit has been like standing up for myself um so i i'm expecting i'll probably get some news around this day that I've been awaiting for a while mm -hmm. so that'll be nice um yeah okay beautiful what's next what is next is the question so next Wednesday the 15th, Wednesday the 15th. Yeah. so we do have Valentine's Day so yeah. I'll just talk about Valentine's Day because it's like a cultural thing um, the moon will be in Sag. Um, the sun will be two degrees away from its conjunction to Saturn. Uh, Venus will be conjunct Neptune, um, which the next day that conjunction will perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mars and, and Chiron will be in that perfect sextile. So with with um, the moon and Sag, this makes it a really adventurous kind of Valentine's Day. So I think it's going to be helpful if you have a date and you're trying to plan a date or something, or even trying to make sure that on that day you feel loved by yourself. <laughs> um, doing something that's adventurous is the remedy. Um, so going on a road trip or going for a run, like it rules the thighs. So getting, getting yourself warm in any kind of way, um, being, being physical is really helpful. Um, and doing that through like adventure, I think mountain climbing is a really, really fun way of activating this kind of energy of Sag. It's like the centaur. So, you know, horse vibes, you just want to like start galloping and feel, feel like you get the sense of relief. Um, so I'm going to trot at you. I can't wait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like doing things that are philosophical, um, or uh, something that's new, something that's innovative because Jupiter is in Aries um, and the moon will be opposite Mars in Gemini. So um, yeah, definitely doing something that's uh, physical can be really helpful with the moon opposite Mars. Yeah. Um, we're making like a big commitment, like a, like a loving devotional commitment to yourself or to another can be really helpful because oppositions are ruled by Saturn and Saturn rules commitment and long-term contracts and, um, yeah, just like maturing, knowing that this, 
this level of discipline will give you what, what you want emotionally to feel stable and grounded. So yeah, those are some of my, my thoughts on that. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you for that last anecdote. I, I'm just looking to like with Venus conjunct Neptune, we talked about how Neptune can be like del- delusional sometimes or, uh, illusional. Um, but this is nice. I feel like Venus cozying up to Neptune is just like divine love, but sun Saturn is like, yeah, that's sober, serious. How do we, we can only bring that into reality and make it last through commitment. So yeah, like you said, whether that's to yourself or to another, um, really beautiful. And then you said remedy earlier and like Jason Mraz entered the group chat in my mind and just that song remedy, the remedy by Jason Mraz, um, the chorus says the the remedy of the experience this is a dangerous liaison I say the comedy is that it's serious this is strange enough new play on words words you see the tragedy is how you're gonna spend the rest of your life with the light on so shine the light on all of your friends when it all amounts to nothing in the end oh worries I won't worry my life away. I love that song so much. It's if so it was good. hooked up, I, I was about to like be like, dance break, but. <laughs> That song is so good. Exactly. Like Sag energy is like, don't just quit worrying. Like, let it be. What is it? The tragedy is that it's serious. So the tragedy is that it's serious. No, it's not serious. It's the tragedy that it's serious. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the remedy is the experience. So just like be in it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Fun. So hey, great. Hey, great. So yeah, so Valentine's Day is that that Venus conjunction to Neptune perfects the next morning on the 15th at 7:23 a.m. Um so yeah, yeah, those of you all that are in love, be in love that night. Enjoy like maybe plan time Wednesday morning to have like and in love with yourself too, right? Like all of it. Just maybe planning a little space Wednesday morning if you can to um, be in a bubble of love. Pisces likes to move slowly and dream. And I'm going to see if I can sleep in that day. It sounds really nice. Um, and then what else did we mention? Oh, then the next day, the 16th, Stephanie's birthday. Uh, we have the sun conjunct Saturn perfecting at 1142 AM. Yeah. Wow. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, so sun conjunct Saturn on your birthday, on my birthday, on my sun. Um, boss mode activated. Boss mode. Yeah, so collectively, I feel like, uh, yeah, boss mode activated. It's like we we are getting really like it's like okay, the thing that we're meant to innovate, the thing that we're meant to be weird with, to be different with to like step and and create a new path for become fixed into in our mental state that we are committed and we are um going to allow time to become mature with like this is almost like an initiation of 
Saturn for the next 30 years. This is really, really, really powerful. I mean, obviously we got this every year that Saturn has been in Aquarius and it'd be fun to kind of look back to see when those last conjunctions were. I think maybe I'll do like a little reel on that. Like if you follow us on uh, Sorry Alignment on Instagram, um, or even on YouTube, I, I think that would be really fun to look back, see when were the last like Sun conjunct Saturn days and um, how is that culminated to like where we are now. But this is the last Sun conjunct Saturn that we're going to get for 25 and a half years or 28 and a half years or so, um, which is a really long time. This to me too is like... Um fellow nerds out there like if you're into lord of the rings when aragorn's gifted like the anduril the, the sword of the kings that's like lost like i feel like this is that level of like initiation you said is the perfect word um yeah what does that mean so there's a lost sword <laughs> never lost whole series i don't know anything about aragorn is like the the rightful heir to the throne of gondor and <laughs> so dirty. Um, yeah, there's just like a point in, in the books or in the, the movies and the trilogy where he's um, gifted the Anduril, which is like the sword of kings. Um, and only the rightful heir can wield it. So, um, yeah, this is that for all of us on an individual level, but collectively. That's yeah, the analogy that came into my mind. In the movie, are there people that try to use the sword that are not able to use it? Um, not the sword itself, but like the, I mean, the ring. Uh, for sure, people are like, that's maybe that's a good analogy for the all the Pluto action too. It's just um, people out of greed chasing the ring of power, the one ring to rule them all, but you don't need to rule them all. You only need to rule yourself, self-governing, sovereign. Um, yeah, Aragorn is like the heir to Gondor. He's like the just ruler from a lineage of rightful kings. You know, of course, that uh, the whole concept of like, uh, what's the word? Uh, monarchy. Thank you. Um, the whole concept of a monarchy is a little bit archaic, but if we look at it as like, he comes from a lineage of of beings with integrity that rule from a place of like equality, very like humanitarianism, Aquarius values. Uh, yeah, and like up until this point, he's been like humble and hasn't, it, it's kind of like the other people around him that encourage him to take his place on the throne. It's not that he like sought it for his own power or greed or ego, all of those things. Um, okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's important to, um, reference. I listened to a talk. I want to just get his name for respect. Um, of course, let me see if I can find it, but this makes me think of what I was listening to earlier this week. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Okay. Hold on a sec, y'all. So I listened to a talk from Rabbi Simon Jacobson of the Meaningful Life Center on YouTube. And I am not Jewish, but I find listening to people of all different kinds of religions is helpful for reference. And um, 
The video is called What the Star Says About You, Aquarius. And he talks for 20 minutes about how Aquarius is a water bearer and um, what does it mean to be a water bearer and what does the water represent? And he was talking about how the water bearer is the holder of knowledge and wisdom. And that when somebody comes to bear, somebody that bears the water is in your presence, they are essentially bearers of knowledge. And that it is a great honor to bear water because the person in a community that bears the water is like basically protecting the livelihood of all the people because of that water, even in its own pure sense of like the element of water is, is compromised, like the entire village will perish. So whether we're thinking of it as like an intellectual water of knowledge or like the purity of the element of water um, created by the precipitation of clouds through the air, um, it is about like the privilege of having a certain knowledge and wisdom that you have accumulated through your presence of the space around you and the information that you've absorbed. And to really bear the water that you hold, the knowledge that you hold with great reverence and to share that water or prepare to share or protect that water as, as deemed necessary. Mm. So I just found that talk to be important because sometimes you and I, and, you know, just in my work, I don't necessarily speak too much or harp on the the actual archetype, but he spent the time just on that episode alone talking about Aquarius on what does it mean to be a water bearer? And I wanted to make reference to that. And it kind of reminded me when you were talking about the Lord of the Rings and like being a rightful king, what does it mean to be a rightful king and to be the rightful, the rightful uh, seat of the throne? And I think it's just that respect to whatever knowledge it is that you're carrying. Yeah, thank you for that. It's it's interesting too because in um, in the movies, it's the, the final movie, Return of the King, where he goes and gets basically because he has this sword. It's the, it's proof to there's literally an army of ghosts, and it's funny we were talking about ghosts earlier with with Pluto, <laughs> and like because he bears this symbol of rightfulness, just justice, you could say. Um, the even the dead like are on his side to like essentially save the world so um i guess we can look at that as like symbolism too like ghosts of like ancestors and just like uh bearing the water into future generations and i think with aquarius too it's like we're, we're not necessarily getting the instant gratification of like seeing that fruit in this lifetime necessarily like you know we can hope that we you know we will see change and see benefic adjustments in our lifetime but like the the greatest things in history the people that have enacted change like they don't necessarily live to see it so it is that selflessness quality definitely yeah yeah that's a huge part of like being conscious of our karma is that the karma is not something that we necessarily get the privilege of experiencing in this life yeah yeah. And if you're, if you're just like the, the ghosts <laughs> or the ancestors are, are on your side too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So wherever you have Saturn and the sun in your, your chart right now in Aquarius, 
you are you are a bearer of knowledge or you can be i think that sometimes the transits awaken a potential it might not be that like we already are the embodiment of that but we realize like the lack of that thing that we need so deeply and we 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 then are initiated with the courage to kind of fill that void that is created by the transit yeah i was just going to ask will you, will you also link the uh that talk from the rabbi that you mentioned yeah. i would love to watch that yeah sure just to rewind really quick i know i want to be mindful of our timing uh let me just pull it up um there was one more transit early thursday okay mercury square the nodes thank you i'm sorry i had to relocate it yeah i had it at 1 47 a.m on thursday so yeah mercury at the bending of the nodes as well like mercury is a big player right now <laughs> yeah so mercury square the nodes is all like another pivotal decision it's funny how it's happening on the day that we get the sun saturn conjunction so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I have to say that it's not already like kind of continuous of what we were just talking about. I just feel like it's more affirmative. There might be like a decision that you have to make or um, some sort of critical thinking that needs to happen. It's a really easy day to get into a fight. So mm. don't fight. <laughs> don't fight your fate, you know, create yeah. your fate. <laughs> yeah, I think we can look back to Adam when Venus was at the bending of the nodes, that was January 10th. Yeah, January 10th, that night, um, Venus was at the bending of the nodes too. So like maybe just peeking at that date and seeing if anything was going on, this could be like another opportunity to um, continue to adjust in accordance with fate <laughs> from that Venus square. Yeah, January 10th was a, a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was just, let me get it up again. Okay. Um, then Friday the 17th, we have at 9, 10 p.m. Eastern time, we have Mercury sextiling Jupiter. I, I think, again, just, yeah, that's going to further amplify everything we're just talking about and helping it, um, I think, materialize. Mercury sextile Jupiter. Yeah. yeah. Um, take off. <laughs> yeah, I think there's an element of like, believing in ourselves on a, on a different level by this time. Um, and also the belief comes through action. So like, I know that by mid February, which is about what day is it? Jesus, it's like two weeks from now. Um, yeah, like there'll just be like different routines. I think like physical routines um, that help us to create like more balanced mind. It's just easy to bring bring about during that time. So um, maybe like a peak of a workout routine is coming through during that time or any kind of like physical exertion to get you out of stagnation will come a little bit easier as that transit <laughs> builds and then subsides. Yeah, I'm thinking of like coordination or like mobility practices are probably really good this day. Um, 
Also, like um, information and technology being like able to be shared with greater ease. Um, like, for example, like I, I have the intention of filming my morning yoga classes in here and popping them on the podcast awesome. and having that be like something that we can all tune into on YouTube or Spotify. Um, but I want to protect the, the students. I don't want the students to be put on blast on the Internet. Um, so like by the 17th, um, it should be a regular thing that you can come on here and do sunrise yoga with me and learn the medical astrology and do movement um, in accordance with the day. And so like Mercury sextiling Jupiter is like beliefs or information, spiritual um, resources becoming more available to people. I think is is like something that just might happen like you might meet a teacher or you might find a book or you know get back into that course that you really wanted to kind of expand your wisdom on something um this energy really supports that beautiful yeah yeah and then the last thing i guess until our next episode <laughs> the uh saturday the 18th at 5 30 4 p.m the sun moves into pie yeah, so you're Pisces. How do you feel about Pisces season? I'm excited. Um, I mean, yeah, my birthday is the 20th, so uh, feeling that energy of renewal for myself, but I think collectively, it's been really interesting growing up as a one degree Pisces sun. Um, my birthday is always an interesting time because it's like the collective, I think, everyone, especially after like the mental intensity of Aquarius season, I feel like the collective gets very like aloof. And, you know, with Pisces season, I think that first decade kind of takes us a while to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm at sea. Okay, that's what it is. Like, it takes a few days. So beginning of Pisces season, I think for a lot of people, especially if you don't have a lot of Pisces or just like any water sign in your chart, it can feel a little disorienting, a little like vague and ethereal and misty, you can say. Um, but the beauty of it is like, it's, I, I, I think Pisces season is a time to just kind of like really hold reverence to the intangible, to lean into your daydreams because there is wisdom there, especially like, it's so nice. The sun is entering while Venus is at the very tail end. So we have this like luminescent dreamy bookend <laughs> of, of planetary influence in Pisces. So um, it's, it's a really beautiful time to cleanse, to take salt baths to um if you have a safe space to be in nature in a stream and can ideally like purify your vessel like ugh, I would love to stand under a waterfall the first day of Pisces season like that's to me those are the sensory um yeah components <laughs> yeah it's so good to hear it from like the source of the, of the season um I'm realizing now kind of like the resonance I have with Aquarius season and feeling the resonance that you have with Pisces season and like the contrast of that embodiment. Um, Cause I've never really like noticed the big shift into, I guess it is like, I feel like I'm so fixed that I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, I feel like Aquarius even. <laughs> 
um i feel like aquarius because it's it's fixed winter like it is ice baby i know i'm like i don't want to move it's not like like fuck oh my god it's gonna be it's gonna be spring and then it's gonna be summer and then it's gonna be fall and i have to wait again for it to be my season you know it's like there's so much uh so much stagnation in aquarius season like it's easy to remain remain still that's the beauty uh, though is like the the glacier of aquarius season and pisces it's just like slowly starting to melt like water seeping back into the ground and we can kind of like collectively exhale any oh my god if you have the opportunity if you have access to like a sensory deprivation tank highly recommend for Pisces energy. Um, just like complete surrender into nothingness. Like welcome yeah. to the void. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of nice because we have the sun. Well, we had Venus kind of blessing the Piscean landscape. And then the sun comes in and like lights the way. And then we have, you know, Saturn, Mercury following. Um, so that's kind of nice. We have like just maybe more gentle influences before the the information of Mercury uh, demands of Saturn come into play in that sign. I find it interesting that the day that the sun moves into Pisces, the moon will be in Aquarius conjunct Mercury. Because um, it's kind of like this Pisces season will be more Saturnian, more Aquarian than we've we've felt in a very long time because this Pisces season is when Saturn is going to move into Pisces. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's like this infusion of like Aquarian energy into the Pisces season, the Pisces new moon, the Pisces full moon that we're going to have in Virgo. Um, yeah, so it's just something to like, be aware of that there is this energy of like it's okay to be weird as you learn to relax the way that the way that you can relax is through being your most authentic and weird self um, um yeah your dream is ingenious and, and different and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be it's supposed to be i'm so i'm i mean i feel like this is literally on a personal level this is like probably one of the biggest initiations of my lifetime like um just coming out of my saturn return of the uh, aquarius rising saturn aquarius moon and aquarius with a pisces sun it's just like um this is the moment so i'm just daring to speak it out loud on this podcast just to claim like i think this is the time I've been kind of waiting for my whole life to finally feel regimented and disciplined enough within to let that goofiness out. Cause that's, yeah. Every human being is goofy. I don't care what you say. Like <laughs> it's our magic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the Pisces season, it, it is definitely about like, continuing to be disciplined with whatever it is that Capricorn Aquarius season brought out of you, but learning to be fluid and artistic. Like we have the liberty now with all the hard work that we've been doing at this point, by the time we reach the 19th of February and beyond that we can be creative or we can, we can kind of flow with the structure that we've been creating. So I think my advice for the next two weeks would be to create structures that support you through Pisces season, through the beginning of a, of a new spring and through a new year. And 
you can, like, I know for me, I had, I wanted to um, offer my online course of learn astrology starting last week. And um, I realized that even though I opened the doors, I was like, "Mm, I think I should close them and reopen them in April. And I readjusted everything so that if you want to join me for that course, we're actually going to start in April. And that gives me so much time to be in flow and to create content. And um, yeah, just like enjoy my life Mm -hmm. while still like meeting the goals and serving the community and, you know, thinking of the impact that I'm making in the work that I'm doing, but not suffocating myself in the work. So I think the work, it's really important right now, the season to systemize things that's to support you so that you have room to relax. You have room to expand. Pisces season is ruled by Jupiter expansion, you know, philosophical exploration, um, spiritual work, working with uh, your guides and working with water, which is emotions which are, you know, not very systematic. They are deeply rooted in our programming and in our trauma and in our, our dreams and our desires. And so just to make it, make everything systemized so that you have the space to do that can be so like relieving, like everything you do can be that much more enjoyable. Mm. Beautifully said. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, mm. Yeah. It's interesting too, like Aquarius, Saturn I think of like the bones and then our bodies being predominantly water though it's like as long as our alignment and our like chiropractic structure is good all of the more like fluid like tissues and systems the lymph all of that flows with much more ease when yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense I'm, so getting, I'm getting visions of like Drano too. Like whether you literally need to like Drano your tub <laughs> or Drano your physical body with some like ginger turmeric tonics, you know, um, bringing up the internal and external, yeah, fluids, waters. I could talk about Pisces stuff all day. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I'm not sorry. I'm just, yeah. I don't know where my rune books are at the moment. I think they are home. So I won't do runes today, but we can, I can close out with um, tarot from, or not a tarot, but a divination pull from the gods, goddesses, and guardians deck by Sophie Bashford and Hillary Wilson. And I know you probably have a deck you want to pull from too. But yeah, it's been really great to go over all the astrology. Um, Thank you for everyone that's been here with us this whole time. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll say some closing thoughts after we do this um, divination part. Beautiful. But I'm just going to shuffle the deck and um, consider what kind of goddess, god, or guardian would be supportive for us. Um, If you're listening to this, this message is meant for you um, for the next two weeks and the energies that are meant to be here to support us. So we got Eponia, Earth Magic. And this is, we were talking about Mercury conjunct Pluto and, you know, how can we really work with the Earth? And you said earlier, horse vibes. Horse vibes from 
Valentine's Day and Sag Moon energy. Yeah, but this is, oh, she's got a horse. Yeah, I didn't even see that. So she's got a horse and vines going up her arms and she's holding a flower and she's got a little crystal on. Um, she's near water. So um, yeah, I think that with this Leo full moon, it can be really helpful to take all the intellectual things that are getting fixed in our head and in our heart from the heart chakra of Leo and also the crown that gets super stimulated with this energy um, to go out into earth, um, especially during the time that we've got the um, Mercury conjunct Pluto and Mercury in Capricorn building up to a conjunction with Pluto and then later almost through the end of this two-week period, um, Mercury will be the last sign in Capricorn and Mercury does rule the mind. So if we want to create peace in our inner dialect, it can be really helpful to have Earth as a physical reference for wisdom. So the, the reading on this is Gaia, Mother Earth is speaking, nature's jewels bring healing and protection. This is a sign to enter swiftly into the healing power of nature. You need to connect with the magic that lies within the trees, plants, water, and crystals. You're being guided towards a special natural setting to relax your body and engage with your spirit. Be open to receiving a message delivered through your feelings and intuition. Queen Aponia says, you are a crystal, a true healer. The jewels of earth are calling to you. They bring spiritual protection and attune you to magical powers. Listen to the messages given to you by the trees, streams, flowers, plants, and crystals. They hold vital keys to protecting Mother Gaia. They are also essential for your well-being and spiritual path right now. The elements, nature spirits, such as the fairies, pixies, water spirits, and mermaids are deeply concerned about environmental damage and climate change. There's a message they wish to get through to you about this critical issue. If you are already involved in, in eco-activist projects, consider this card, thank you, and please keep going. We know how deeply concerned you are about environmental issues. You can make a difference. Please continue on your much needed efforts. Take regular breaks in nature and you'll hear us cheering you on. So additional meanings are to take action on your beliefs for helping the environment. Use vibrational flower essences or herbal remedies, super important during the winter season. Um, I had a family member tell me that she's concerned about the ibuprofen shortage um, for children with fevers. And I'm like, don't worry about that. Just look up herbs that can help you solve fevers in children. You know, like don't, don't be so attached to uh, pharmaceuticals for support, especially in the winter seasons when we, our immune system is compromised. So definitely work with herbal remedies. <laughs> um, the remedy. Okay. The remedy. Um, yeah. Uh, move out of the city and closer to nature. Um, train as, or visit a crystal healing practitioner. It's so funny because I'm pretty sure I'm about to inherit a collection of crystal bowls and, uh, work with her to learn how to use them. So that's, that's interesting. Um, Piona is a protector of horses. So this card may represent a connection to a horse. Invocation. I now receive sacred medicine from nature. I support Earth's healing process. Mm, thank you so much. Wow. Yeah. Oh. 
Also, um, if you're local to my neighborhood, I'm going to be doing um, a henna club every Wednesday night. And it just made me think of it because her hair is so long and beautiful. Um, we're going to be doing henna on our bodies um, some days. And then every other week, we're going to do henna for the hair and for the scalp. So if you're local to Paducah, Providence, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, you want to come down on Wednesday nights, um, you can practice earth medicine with us because I think that in addition to movement and intellectual practice, like working with herbs is kind of like the holy trinity. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go to starryalignment.com to sign up and learn more. Woo! Yeah. I wish I was local. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's cool too. The vines on her arm are almost like henna art on the body. Mm -hmm. In addition to the hair, it's so cool. Um, so I brought today the Sacred Rebels Oracle, which... Yeah, I've pulled from on here before. Um, art by Autumn Sky and um, words by Alana Fairchild. Ooh. Well, number 18, Spirals of Manifestation. Art is so cool. Okay. <clears throat> I'll read, yeah, an excerpt, it's a little one. Um, the creative rebellious path of love moves in spirals. It is not linear. Sometimes our mind decides that the way forward is to take clear steps from one point to the next logical point. However, there is a genius within that can guide us on an alternative route. If there is an unnecessary pothole or delay in the typical linear path of progression and the curved loop in the path will be quicker, more fun and more beautiful, then why not allow yourself to be guided to that path? This can happen through trust and wisdom rather than rigid adherence to what on the surface appears to be logical progression. You're in, uh, in the midst of a spiral of manifestation. Something is coming into being, even if you think it is further away than ever before. How amazing it will seem when what you have been dreaming of falls into place. Suddenly what you have been thinking of creating will plonk into your reality seemingly out of nowhere because it was just around the bend just out of view on the spiral of manifestation and you could not see it coming in truth it was coming to you all along this oracle has a message for you sometimes when we feel the furthest away from what we want we're actually closer than ever before just one turn on the spiral loop of creation can see your manifestation taking root in the world you must hold true to your faith and keep working on your progress Forget about believing it when you are seeing it. Any old soul or young soul can do that. You are a bigger, brave, more ancient soul. You have enough chutzpah to believe it so that you can see it sooner, bigger, and brighter. Do not give in to those who tell you it should have happened already or that you failed. They're just suffering from a lack of patience and understanding, as well as an assumption that their notion of timing is somehow superior to the greater divine timing at play in life. Be in goodwill with yourself and the universe. All is unfolding perfectly, whether you feel it right now or, or not. Excuse me. Um, I'm just going to read one more thing because it feels relevant. This oracle also brings a message to you about the perfect synchronicities that are taking place in your life. You may have started to notice these already. 
When we live from the heart, thank you, Leo, honor our creative center and choose unlikely but lovingly rebellious ways to be in the world, Aquarius, we will begin to notice synchronicity every day. It is as though the universe is speaking to us intimately on all matters, which of course it is. Okay. Yeah, the timing piece is really meaningful because like we were saying, things are coming together, but they're not, they're not exactly there yet. And in some ways they are, some ways it's like, wow, we are progressively far more ahead than we were. But yeah, there needs to definitely still be like this element of patience in a fixed season. I love that too, just the awareness like that something's not here doesn't mean it's far. Yeah, the future encaps the future is encapsulated encapsulated in the present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like imagine, I don't know, I just got a visual of like imagine you're like waiting at a lighthouse for like 20 years for the ship to come home. And like you turn off the light and the ship arrives like five minutes later. Like, no, no, if the, the universe will put that light out if it wants to. Mm. all right well thank you so much yeah that makes sense thank you thank you for joining me today Lula and thank you for everybody that's been here with us we really hope you enjoyed our discussion on some of these themes Mm -hmm. anything you want to close with love yeah I just hope like please add in the comments like any Uh, any resonances how this is affecting you if there's anything like personal manifesting that you want to share I I am intrigued to know just because I like you and I have those conversations regularly but opening it up to community dialogue is something that excites me so yeah yeah and just sending blessings for everyone to reactivate their heart space um, to be proud of your accomplishments and to continue to dream forward to receive more and to give more that's beautiful yeah um in in connection with the heart feeling feeling how the crown connects to all the subtle body Mm. and um our intentions stem from our thoughts and our thoughts especially in this season stem from our relationship with silence so yeah just uh carving out more time for to hear yourself i think is really uh special during the winter and during aquarius season wherever you are in the world um to feel like what it is that you are distilling in terms of like the knowledge that you share and what you're meant to bear and and protect for others and make sure they have access to. So with that being said, I just want to close out by letting you know what's going on in my world and how you can stay connected. So um, we've been saying that Alula is going to be offering readings through starryline.com, but she's actually working on recreating herself and her brand through her website. So if you want to work with Alula, you can just send her a message on Instagram at Lula Roses. 
And if you want to work with me, you can go to StarryLime.com and see all the readings that I have to offer there. Um, I am also offering workshops in this space if you are local to Providence or to Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, it's really great here. I love it. The food's great. There's a lot of colleges around. Um, reach out if you need any support with uh, traveling here. But if you're local, um, I am offering learn astrology workshops so that you can come in and study your chart with me. We're having our first um, lunar gathering for the Leo full moon on February the 6th in the evening. Um, so if you want to see how this full moon is affecting you personally, we'll be doing that in person. Um, we also have henna club every Wednesday night and sunrise yoga seven to eight in the morning, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm going to try to find a way to get those sessions live online. And if you want to donate, uh, you can, um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. I'm pretty sure those are the four offerings. I was going to be doing a workshop for the astrology of 2023, but I've decided to move the online recording of that and experience of that to uh, actually when Pluto enters Aquarius on the day that that happens. Um, I, I think that's after, it's just before the spring equinox. So it's going to be more positioned to equinox to equinox, or is that right? Equinox, solstice, equinox, equinox, equinox. solstice. Equinox. Sorry, sometimes I confuse those things. Um, just want to make sure my jargon's correct, right? So on the equinox, um, it'll be like a week before the spring equinox. So it'll prepare us for um, basically the seasonal year from Aries season to Aries season. So yeah, um, if you're online and you're wondering how we can connect, you can book readings with me. Um, you can join the Learn Astrology series waitlist. That's going to open up in April. So if you do want to learn astrology with me right now, the course is priced at just $400 to take a 12 class uh, series with me um, as an early bird. So I'd love to have you. Um, as the course gets closer, you'll hear more about that. But if you want to reserve your seat, um, all of our profits go to supporting the indigenous select, uh, collective. Well, not all of them, but a portion of our profits. Um, and yeah, a lot of my energy goes to fusing these two lineages together, like my work in astrology and um, supporting the indigenous collective. So uh, yeah, I'm really, really grateful to be here. I'm really grateful for you, Alula, for su supporting me in the back all the time, in the you know, the background all the time, and also just on the public facing front um yeah that's pretty much it um go to starrylime.com join the mailing list subscribe on youtube like this video leave a comment leave a review on itunes give us a five star if you want to see us grow um i would love to offer um a free reading to anyone that leaves us the five star review um we'll do we'll do a lottery in the next um episode alula i don't know if you'd be open yeah, to that okay. oh, that's great that's great yeah so we can do two free readings um one with alula one with me um we'll do a lottery so leave us a five-star review and um join our mailing list at starryalignment.com um those two actions will get you um in the lottery there's a comment on the little form to join the mailing list so just let us know that you wrote us a review and what your username was and that will help us to select some winners i did that back in 2018 and met a lot of people from that process so yeah subscribe on and follow on spotify all these ways of connecting with us in the channels 
as you know, how the world works helps us to reach more people. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode for the new moon in Pisces in about two weeks. Love you you all. Satnam. Satnam. May you live in alignment.